happy Easter, everybody. Um, my name is Kirsten Melvin. I serve as a CG shepherd for the newly formed Avenue H. Um, and today I'll be reading John 20, 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, um, sorry, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. All right, what's up, y'all? Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, hey, y'all know uh, I didn't grow up in church, but uh, that call and response that Anthony did, I like learned that like two years ago, all right? Um, and so in case you weren't in here during that call to worship, hey, when somebody says Jesus is risen on Easter, apparently the Christian thing to do is to say he is risen indeed. And y'all know how I like y'all to worship with your voices while I'm preaching. So Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Whew, it's going to be a good day. Come on. Um, hey, listen, the resurrection of Jesus is the most important day in human history, and it will be the most important day until the return of Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus will be celebrated by the saints of God eternally, in fact. We will never forget what happened 2,000 years ago. And so what we're doing today is an important Sunday. I don't want to overemphasize Easter because we are a people that celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Sunday because it is our hope and joy. But I also don't want to underestimate the reality of like when we get to sit and reflect on what our Savior has done for us, it should produce worship in our hearts and in our lives. And so I want to focus on that so that we might worship he who is the lover of our souls today. Amen? And so let's go ahead and worship through the scriptures. Uh, the resurrection of Christ is the most verified historical claim in human history. I don't say that lightly. I say that because many people have tried to debunk this claim. In fact, this claim has been uh, sought to be debunked more than any other claim throughout all of human history, and yet it continues to stand the test of time. This is good news. It has uh, stood the test of skeptics. In fact, nothing has stood the test of skeptics like Christ's resurrection. There ain't no body in that ground because it is currently on the throne. That is good news. And whether you believe this or not, the reality of it is still true. But for us who do believe, then our bodies will not rest in that ground either. But because he has risen, we will as well. This is to be worshipful. 
And so many Easter sermons have focused on the validity of that resurrection. And honestly, I love that because I like to give confidence to the reality of the resurrected Christ. However, there's a plethora of books and articles and apologetic studies, et cetera, that you can go and see the factual history if that is something that you desire to dive into deeper. There are really good books like The Case for Christ written by Lee Strobel, or there's another book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Joshua McDowell, and there's more if you just type in some of these things. I wanna do something a little bit different today, though. Uh, I wanna ask if it is pretty plain that Christ is resurrected, if it is this historical reality as we say that it is, then why can you and I not see Jesus very well in our lives? The resurrection doesn't really change much about our day-to-day life often, and for some of us, it's even hard to believe or to see that he has risen. And so how can we recognize the resurrected Messiah? That's the title and the direction for the sermon today. How can we recognize this Christ that our souls were created to adore? How do we recognize the Messiah? Let's chop it up in our passage today, okay? First of all, you'll notice the word Mary. Now in that culture, women were seen with a general tolerable stance, like we tolerate them because they're necessary, but they were not really celebrated in that culture. In fact, so much was this the reality that a woman's testimony would not have been valid in the court of law because they were seen as second-class citizens. It would be very similar to if I brought my eight-year-old daughter to testify in the court of law. You may listen to what she says, but you would be thinking, is that really true? She's only eight years old. How can she know if this is true or not? Well, women were treated in a very similar way in that culture. And so one of the reasons that you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus is that across all four gospel accounts, women were the first ones to see Jesus resurrect. And if this was a made-up Jewish story, they undoubtedly would not have chosen women to be the evidence to the most important claim of our faith. It would have not been seen as acceptable evidence. And I love, y'all, that this is the God who we serve. In fact, if you're not used to hearing God in this sort of frame, I wanna welcome you to the well today. Because this is our God who would come to uh, those that are considered lowly and offer himself to them. I love that this is who Jesus would entrust the message to the gospel with. Those who were less trusted in society, those who were seen as downcast in society, Jesus came to first and entrusted them the most in a lot of realities. And I know that in our culture, Christianity has tried to be in a position of power and of influence maybe even used against those who are weak or oppressed at times, but I believe that Christianity thrives most when it does what it was designed to do, which is give resurrection to the downcasts, to elevate them. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Okay, and so women, listen, if you're a woman in this room, I know that uh, you have not always been sought with honor in the way that God has made you to be, but never forget, that our Messiah came through a woman and it was two women that he revealed himself to first and the most important piece of our faith, the resurrection was given to you first. I could go on about this point for days, but different series, different time, okay? But here's the reality of this, our God. So Mary is here at the tomb, sick, y'all, right? She's weeping, 
because the person that she adored, who she believed freed her from her sin and from her shame, who she thought to be the Messiah of the world, was dead. Now, I know we live on this side of the resurrection, but let's not sit over here real quick. Like, can we put ourselves in this woman's shoes? Like, you have never experienced any crushing reality like this, family. Never. You may have experienced death, in fact, but the person that died, you did not think to be the Messiah. And so this is an unbelievable weight that she is carrying. Now, the other disciples were there too. We see this in verses one through 10 above, but they returned home after not finding Jesus' body. And they went back and they were confused, but Mary, and so contrasted with the disciples, she is doing something counter to what they did. Mary, she lingered. And those who linger with God will never not find him, family. They will never be left disappointed. Often, we miss the resurrected Messiah because we do not linger long enough. That's the first reason we don't realize or recognize Christ is because we go back home rather than sitting in the tomb. We grow impatient with the timing of God's provision in our lives. As you stay by the tomb, however, in other words, as you stay by what feels like death, family, as you stay by what kind of almost creates this turmoil in your soul, the death of your dreams, the death of your situations, the death of your disappointments, even in the midst of your confusion, if you stay by that tomb, our resurrected king will reveal himself to you in ways that you did not know possible. Listen, those who linger, they see Jesus. I'm not saying that lingering will always feel good. Mary here is in great grief. But I'm confident that lingering will explode into a joy-filled harvest for those who keep searching long enough for Christ. You see, too many of us, we, we leave God too quickly and we, we don't really linger with God. We, we become impatient with God and all the suffering that we might have in our lives. So we leave and through that we don't see Christ. We become disappointed with our sorrow, missing that this sorrow could actually be him fulfilling something that we would never even dare ask him for. Y'all following me? Like Mary was sorrowful, because she thought this Messiah would deliver the Jews from Roman slavery, but Jesus came to deliver her into an eternity with him, something she never would have asked for, family. And yet here she is being offered this by God. She is being given something way better than what she could have ever dreamed of. And so this sorrow and this temporary pain, saints, that you are feeling, it could be God trying to birth eternal life in you. So don't become too disappointed with this momentary sorrow that we have with God. Don't become so disappointed with God that you don't linger with God and through this miss the soul ecstasy that is found only in Christ. Jesus is often doing something in the tombs of your life, family. And those who linger with God, they see God. And at times we miss seeing Jesus' power because we just move on from God too quickly. And so here she is, she lingers, right? She looks in the tomb. That word stood weeping there that you see in the text is actually a pluperfect verb, 
which I grew up in the hood in Detroit public school system, so you know I do not naturally know what pluperfect means. <laughs> a pluperfect verb, as I looked it up this week, all right, is essentially a verb of finality, something that happened in the past but was now finished forever. Okay? In other words, metaphorically speaking, John is saying that Mary is sorrowful as she is standing there confused and weeping, but soon, hallelujah, that confusion and weeping will never be experienced again, that she has already been paid for and she will one day weep and stand no longer, but she will bow at the feet of Jesus with full joy. This is what Mary is about to experience. Her joy is going to be forever full, complete, never to return again. You know, the same thing is true for us in Christ, amen? Those who look into the tomb of God will find eternal life, and one day, you will never be sorrowful again. That sorrow will be paid for, and it will birth eternal joy. Do you believe that, saints of God? Look, don't make me get my Pentecostal roots out here, y'all. This is unbelievable news, right? She's standing there investigating the tomb, but what Jesus is doing without her even knowing this reality is he is paying for that very sorrow that she would never experience it again. Those who are in Christ will have joy everlasting. And this ain't some prosperity gospel. This is the reality for those of us who are in Christ. Christ has paid the price so that you would receive joy everlasting. And so she's standing there investigating the tomb, and the angels are like, hey, cuz, why are you crying? And she turns and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. Now, on the surface, this could just look like she was, like, nearsighted, like she forgot her contacts that morning, right? She couldn't see my mans, but this actually isn't the first time that this has happened in Scripture, in fact, every time after the resurrection of Jesus, and even throughout the Old Testament when Christ appears, the people who see Christ do not immediately recognize him to be Christ. Just to give you a couple of examples so this passage will make a little bit more sense, John 21, verses four through seven. It says, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus was like, hey y'all, y'all got any fish? And they're like, nah. And he was like, hey, throw, throw, throw the net down. <laughs> and they pulled it up, and there was, not, there was too much to haul it in. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, yo, it's, it's Christ. But they didn't recognize him at first. Or you can go to Luke chapter 24, where Jesus is on the road with these two disciples, and they do an 11-mile walk, y'all. That took some time, okay? And he's explaining all about who he is and, and what he's done. These weren't just random dudes. These were disciples, the text says. And they're walking for 11 miles. And then Jesus is like, hey, I'm gonna go home. They're like, no, please stay with us. And then we pick it up in verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then boom, he vanished out their sight. And they were like, yo, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he was communicating the scriptures, and I could go on with other examples. The interesting thing in all of these examples, though, is that each of these people lingered around when they were experiencing something supernatural, and through that lingering, they ended up realizing Christ. And so it still proves the first point that those who linger with God will eventually see Jesus. If you linger long enough with God, you will see God, family. 
But what I believe, why they keep missing him, is that what these physical stories are telling us is the reality for a lot of our spiritual souls. And so these stories physically are representing what's truly going on with us spiritually. Family, some of us are seeing Jesus every single day, and we are not seeing Jesus every single day. Y'all feel me? Like some of us are seeing the miracles of God. We're hearing the voice of God. We're seeing the power of God, the beauty of God, the majesty of God is all around us, and yet we are not seeing the miracle or the voice or the power or the beauty or the majesty of God all around us. And we're like Mary, we're hurting, we're broken, we're depressed, we're empty, we're longing, we're desiring hope, when hope is standing right in front of us and we just can't see it. Why didn't Mary recognize Jesus? Well, why don't you? Why don't you recognize the resurrected Christ when he appears in our life in so many different ways? Like when you should have died in that crash when you were 19, but you were miraculously saved, can you not recognize Christ? Or that Christian that God kind of randomly put in your life at the exact time that you needed it, can you not see Jesus through this? Or that feeling that you felt in worship, wasn't that more than just an emotion? I mean, didn't you maybe even hear the voice of God with that as well? Like I think these stories in the Bible are physically showing us what tends to be true in our life, that the resurrected Messiah is standing right before us and we just can't see him. Listen, like can we keep it real? Let me give you a personal example, even in this week. Like as a Christian, how we do this. This week I was praying and I recognized once again, okay, not for the first time, for like the 30th time, that I do not see Jesus as a friend. I just don't. Now, I know the scriptures say that he is, and Christ has revealed himself to be a friend to me over and over and over and over again, and yet, I don't believe it. It's as if I just don't see Christ, though his evidence is all around me. I mean, don't we do this with Jesus? I ain't the only one in this mug, am I? We tend to not recognize the resurrected Jesus. The power of Jesus is in our lives, but we do not perceive him is the second point. We don't recognize Christ because we're not perceiving what he is doing. The, the evidence is there. There's, there's tangible things for us to behold, but we don't see him when he's standing right in front of us. Here's where I get that from that text. In verse 14, that word know, that she knew or not that it was Christ is the Greek word oida, now there are two words for know in the Greek. There's gnosis or gnosko, and that means this experiential knowledge. And then there's oida, which is this perceived knowledge, which means taking all of the facts and then with these facts, making the right conclusion. So she did not perceive Christ. And we often do not perceive what Jesus is doing either. And therefore we are missing that every single thing that our souls desire is standing right in front of us, talking to us, we just don't even perceive it. Like Jesus said six times, at least, <clears throat> it was six times recorded, he probably said it a lot more, that he was going to die and then three days later rise from the grave. In fact, with Mary Magdalene, 
Less than seven days earlier, he told her that this was going to be the reality, but she did not perceive it. Like, I feel like y'all ain't with me today. You with me? Okay, let me make it real personal then. Jesus told you in this world you would have trouble, and yet trouble comes and somehow you don't perceive it and then you leave God. Right? Like it's so easy for us to do this where we don't perceive, like, like God has given us these facts by which we can hold on to, but then all of a sudden God is standing right before us and we can't see him. We don't perceive what he is doing and through that end up missing the power of God in our lives. We often don't see Christ because we just don't perceive him. We forget the things that he has said. Put very plainly, some of us have been hurt by God and we assume that God is dead, just like Mary did. And we even end up leaving the tomb as a result, even though everlasting life is actually standing right in front of us. But not only did she not perceive the facts though, but she also supposed or assumed, as this text says, my, my, my. When you assume God is supposed to be like something in your life, instead of actually recognizing him for who he is, you're going to miss the Messiah every time. Let me say that again. When you assume that God is like something in your life, when you presuppose onto God, instead of recognizing who he actually is, you are going to miss the Messiah every time. Mary assumed that Jesus was dead, and therefore she couldn't recognize his resurrection. And when you assume that God is dead in your life, you may not be able to recognize the resurrection either. He may be revealing himself to you over and over again, but because you are assuming upon God, you cannot see this revelation. Once again, despite the fact that he just told the disciples this was going to happen, they assumed something very different. And when you assume with human sight and limited knowledge upon an eternal and perfect God, you're going to miss what God is doing usually like 99.999% of the time. You may be looking at the lover of your soul directly in his eyes and you're missing it. So many of us miss God because we act like God is supposed to be like, like this in my life, right? Like God is supposed to do X in my life and we assume upon God and therefore as we assume upon God, we just totally miss him. And instead of finding the savior, we find a gardener instead. Stop looking for the gardener, beloved. The savior, the Messiah is standing right before you. Look for the Messiah. Look for the Messiah. So Jesus goes and he asks her the same question as the angels. That word woman, by the way, isn't like woman. All right, that's not what it is. Okay, it was just an expression, kind of like the term brother, okay? And so Jesus asks her, hey, why are you crying? Like, what are you looking for? Now, family, whenever God asks a question, he ain't asking a question, okay? Like questions in the Bible are fascinating to me because they're often asking something far deeper than just the search for more information, especially when they're from God because he lacks no information. And so think about it like in Genesis chapter three, if you're familiar with the scripture, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they realized they were naked, they went and they hid themselves in a bush and then God stood directly in front of the bush and said, Adam, where are you? <laughs> now look, 
God knew where he was. He's standing in front of the bush, right? He's not asking where he was. So Jesus' question here is less about missing information, and it also ain't some like mild boast, right? Like he wasn't there knowing what she needed. He wasn't like in the garden like, Adam, where are you, right? He's not with Mary like, why are you over there looking at me? I can't sing the next line to that song, right? It's something way more, okay? Jesus is not asking her a question. He's inviting her into the grand knowledge and the mystery of God. What type of Messiah are you looking for, Mary? That's the question that Jesus is asking. What type of Messiah are you looking for? One that would come and rule and conquer? One that would fulfill all of your earthly dreams? Or are you looking for one who could dominate death by death? who could give you more than what you could ever imagine, eternal life, what type of God are you looking for? Whew, come on, church family. What type of God are you looking for? You. What type of God are we looking for? One who will vending machine pick some of our immediate needs for you or one who will deliver your soul into eternity? So often we miss God because we're assuming upon God and we're perceiving incorrectly and we're just not looking for the right God. We're looking for our version of God when our version from God would end us in the pit of hell, family. There is a better God that is standing right before us, but we often, we cannot see it and we get looking for the wrong type of Messiah. And so we cannot see just like Mary because we're looking for the wrong one. But oh my gosh, what a gracious God we serve. Y'all, I got emotional like 10 times this week at this point, and so my tears are a little bit dry today, okay? But the love of God in this text, once again, let's not do this 2,000 years ago. Can you be Mary for a moment? The person who you thought was the savior of the world died, and you think he's dead. And with one word here, y'all, like Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, I am he, and she would have fallen down and worshiped at that moment. He could have explained the scriptures to her. He could have started walking through why she would believe. He could have rebuked her for her lack of faith. Instead, he looked at her and he said her name, Mary. And her eyes were open. The anguish and the despair that were implanted on her soul immediately gave birth to this astonishment and delight. This is what seeing Jesus rightly does. The anguish and despair that we experience looking for God, man, when you find him, it gives birth to eternal life, y'all. Like, can we bring this into our lives today and then apply it so we can bring it home some? Friends, can we marvel at the faith of our sister Mary some? Like for sure, she assumed incorrectly, she was not perceiving well, she, she had a few things that were messed up, but she was still around Jesus trying to look for Jesus. She was still trying to find him. And though she may not have been able to fully see and maybe looking for the wrong thing, she was searching for God nonetheless. And for some of you, you may have thought that Jesus was dead in your life, and yet here you are at church on an Easter Sunday looking for him nonetheless. God honors that type of faith. 
And I believe if we linger with Jesus, we begin to see Jesus. Those who search for God, they find God. Or better yet, those who search for God, God finds them and reveals himself to them. I believe that there are many of us in this room today that are kind of clinging on to God. Like Mary, we may be experiencing the disappointment in life. We may not be able to as cheerfully raise up a voice of shout about the resurrected Messiah because we feel like there is something empty. We feel this sense of death, this sting in our life like Mary did, maybe even believing him to literally be dead. Don't stop searching. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, says that God is not far from any one of us. That as we search for God, we find him. And when you find him, you realize that he was trying to reveal himself to you the entire time. Mary recognizes Jesus here, as we summarize and fulfill this passage, calls him teacher, which was the way that she knew him he was more than just a teacher, obviously, but this is how she related to Christ the most. And so there's this sense of intimacy that can be found here. And then Jesus said, hey, don't cling to me too tightly because you will never lose me again. He's not being weird here. He's saying, look, go tell the disciples because one day you will never have to fear losing me again, Mary. Why? Because now I am returning to my father, and look, y'all, and your father, your father, Mary, I've paid the price, is what he is saying. God is now your God, and the father, who you have no business being around at all. Like, can we remember who Mary Magdalene was? This was a chief sinner of sorts, and yet Christ comes and willingly gives himself and then reveals himself to her first. Y'all, some of us are too sanctified to feel the reality of this. God is saving the least and then saying, you can now call the Father that is perfect in heaven your Father. He is our Father. We are in this together. Man, y'all, come on. Like, listen, you may have felt like you rejected Christ, church of God. Maybe you feel like your sins are too many for God. But hear the words of Jesus. You can call the Father your Father. In fact, to double down on that point, he then sends Mary to be an evangelist, and he says, go tell my brothers. Like these cats that just deserted Christ. <laughs> they just disdained Christ. They just rejected Christ and sinned against him, and now they're cowardly. The first thing Christ thinks to do after resurrecting is go and invite them back into the family. Y'all, Christ is inviting you into the family of God. I don't care how far away you feel from him. If you linger with God and realize that he is trying to show himself to you, you are welcomed home. With your father and with your God. Listen, this is true even in my life as a Christian. This isn't just a call for those who are wrestling with Christ, even for those of us who love Jesus. When I don't see God rightly, I feel weighty and heavy because of my sin. I feel this feeling because I'm looking to a gardener to reveal a dead body rather than a Messiah to raise this dead body back to life. <laughs> Jesus is alive, family of God. Recognize him. Realize the invitation that he is offering to you. Your father, 
His Father can be yours because of Christ. Listen, Mary can hear Jubilee when her name is called because of what happened to Christ just three days before that. You see, when Jesus' name was called, it was actually called in mockery. In fact, upon the cross over Jesus' head hung King of the Jews, Jesus, right? The name of Christ was now being mocked at. Why? So that when God calls you and I's name, we now have access to the Father. She was able to call him teacher because they just crucified Christ as a false prophet. He died the death that we deserve and resurrects to give us the eternal life that only he should experience, but now is ours in Christ. This is the Easter message, and Jesus is alive, family of God. Listen, family, as we close, God is not trying to hide from you. He ain't. I know there may be sorrow, but that sorrow is often the seed to eternal life. If you would but see it. Everybody was blind to the Messiah, looking for the wrong thing. And Jesus has probably been trying to reveal himself to you in hundreds of ways, y'all, even through his word today. And so I pray that we would be like Mary and respond so that we, like Mary, can hear our names called by Christ one day. Listen, you do know that the first thing that happens in heaven is we go, we get sat at a table, and God begins to prepare a meal for us, and he gives us a new name by which he will call to us. You can have this same experience if you linger with God. Eternal life is offered, and it is only offered in Christ, and you will experience that day in the kingdom if you believe in him because of the resurrection of Jesus. You will not die, you will rise as well. And so praise God for the resurrection. Jesus is risen. He is risen. I love you guys. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you for the resurrection. Christ, I pray that we would be able to recognize you even today. God, I confess that so often we do not see you for who you are because we are looking for the wrong you. I do that all the time. I look for you to be something in my life that you never promised and then suffering comes and I get confused even though you said that I would suffer and all you're doing is trying to bring me into the kingdom and I want my kingdom over yours, Jesus. God, I repent of that. I ask that you would forgive me, forgive us as we search for you in all of the wrong ways. God, I pray for those of us who believe in you, who have called upon your name. I pray, God, that we would linger with you. I pray that we would perceive what you're doing in our life. I pray that we would not assume upon you, God, and I pray we wouldn't be looking for the wrong one. That we would see you rightly as the God who has invited us into eternity because of your resurrection. Christ, I also pray for those who, they may not know you, but you may be in here and unsure of where you are with Christ, or maybe you even know, like I'm, I'm not a Christian. I mean, I, I pray that today you would see Jesus a little bit more clearly God is not dead in your life. 
God is likely trying to move and reveal himself to you even today. I pray you would see that movement. In fact, I pray that you would give your life to Christ and follow him. That no longer would you be trying to make a random God your God, that you would make the God of eternity your God because Christ has made a way that you can be connected to his God, his Father. God becomes yours. I love, Father, thank you for my sister Huli's testimony. That 12 years ago, she was in church on Easter. Some random white girl called her up who happened to be my wife. <laughs> and that through that, we get this friendship where there's brother and sisterhood in Christ because we have the same father now. God, I pray you would invite many more sons and daughters to become our brothers and sisters and that we will be reflecting the kingdom of God until you return. Christ, thank you for your resurrection. May we never grow tired of talking about it, of remembering it, of believing in it, Jesus. Let us marvel at your divinity, at your raised body once again. Help us to see you clearly. Christ, in your beautiful name, Christ. Amen.